the Shir of Hilchot Kibbut Um And if we basically, up until now, discussed the major definition of what Kibbut Aim entails, uh, the mitzvah of kibbud, of servicing one's parents, the, the mitzvah of mora, of revering one's parents. So this uh, shiur is going to deal with all um, off the beaten track um, parallels to this uh, and cases that come out of this mitzvah. Unfortunately, many of the times they're not such off the beaten track um, cases and they're quite common. So let us begin on page 91. What happens when a parent tells a child to break a Torah commandment? And we'll see that what seems quite clear uh, becomes quite blurry. So look at the Mishnah, source number one, the Mishnah, the father tells his son, who is a coin, to go into a cemetery, to become Tamei. Or he finds a lost article and he wants to return it, and the father says, "Don't return it." Right? The Torah, the Mishnah tells us, "Lo yishmalo." One doesn't listen to one's parent if he tells him to, or she tells him to violate a mitzvah. Where does this come from? So here, the Gemara tells us, the Gemara Mitzvah Lamed Betan Rabbanan, the famous Brayta Minayin Shim Amarlo Aviv Hitamei Osh Amarlo Al Tachzir. From where I know if a parent tells a son to become impure, if he was a coin or not to return a lost article, a person must revere his parents, his mother and his father one shall revere, but you have to keep the Shabbatot and kulchem chayavin bichvodi. The fact that the Torah juxtaposes kibbutz avayim and keeping Shabbat and says Ani Hashem, I am Hashem, you are all obligated in my honor, and therefore, divrei Arab, divrei Talmid, divrei Mishomin, to borrow a, a borrowed term from Chazal, when your the Hashem says something and your parents are uh, disagreeing, we listen to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The question is. The Mishnah was talking about breaking Shabbos, okay? Isurim Doraita, or positive mitzvah or negative mitzvah. Yeah, How far? The Mishnah's not popular. Shabbos. The, the, the Brighter. The Brighter quotes Shabbos, and the Mishnah is talking about mitzvot lotase, mitzvot, or nullification of mitzvot ase. How far do we take this? So look at the Shulchan Aruch. You're a if a father tells his son to transgress a Torah violation, whether it's a positive or negative mitzvah, even rabbinic commandments, one doesn't listen to a parent if he tells him to violate even a rabbinic prohibition. Furthermore, a father says to a son, I don't want you to speak to a certain gentleman. And not to forgive him until a certain time. And the son, he's more easygoing. He wants to make shalom, move on, not good to have a faribble. 
but his father told him not to. What do we do in such a case? He should not listen to his father. So we see from here what kind of mitzvah or isur is it to, to continue for rebel? Is it exactly an isur not to talk? It's, it's, it's a bit blurry. Nevertheless, Shulchan Aruch says, I would call it a midat chasidut or midat tova, hanagat tova, midot tovot. Not necessarily categorized as mamish as an official isur. Nevertheless, Shulchan Aruch does seem to imply that even regarding that, one doesn't necessarily one doesn't have to listen to one's parents. Yeah. David HaMelech, before he died, commanded Shlomo. Right. Not to forgive. But there could be a different din. It could be a din in in in, in the Malchut. That I there, it was also a problem in 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 Morid Bamalchut. It was there were they there, there was different shikulim, and they definitely deserved it. I it wasn't just um, uh, there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's exactly the same parallel because there there were definitely certain clear uh, reasons that David Amelech said it for the sake of Klal Yisrael. It wasn't it wasn't like a personal. He told it to his son because his son was going to be the king. His son was going to be the king, right? So, but the question is, so how far do we take this? What would happen if a parent tells you a person wants to take on a chumrah? And the parents say no. Do we also go, well, divrei rav, divrei talmid, mitzvah doraita, mitzvah derabanan, but not even only a mitzvah derabanan. We saw the Shulchan Aruch included in that some type of hanagot tovot. Where is the line. If you want to just skip to source number 11 regarding the, the following case. The Sefer Chassidim Mavuar. It was clarified in the Sefer Chassidim. The parents are anguished that their son is taking on fasts. You know, in, in previous generations after Pesach and after Sukkot, Many people would fast Bahab. Shani Vhamishi Vashani afterwards, they would add on extra fast for all the all the the um, frivolity that took that might have taken place during the Chag in order to be Matakina. So they would take on fast. Today I don't know many people that do that. But in previous generations, taking on a fast as a as a, a way of getting atonement was quite a common thing. But the parents here are anguished that he's doing it. Says the Sefer Chassidim, Asulo la'anot nafsho. It is prohibited for that, such a person to fast. But he clarifies, V'sham ayri betanit she'ena We Obviously, we're not talking about Shiva Asar betamuz or Tisha B'av, something that's an obligation. We're talking about a person took it upon himself. And then he continues, Ule'el uva. Furthermore, it was brought, She'pam ga'ara chazonish, the Chazon Ish rebuked Bechad Imo. When his mother said a bracha, he would turn his face away. She didn't cover her hair. Says the Chazon Ish, since according to the letter of the law, he just needed to close his eyes. And the mother felt um, shamed. No place here for Chumras. You've got to go according to the Ikaradin. So we brought two examples where basically 
even though we say that you know if your parent tells you to violate or not do something, you don't uh, you don't necessarily listen to them. When it comes to chumras, it seems from here that we draw the line in the sand, and that's where a person should listen to their parents. I'll bring one more example, not brought here, in Halichot uh, Shlomo, the sefer of Shlomo Zalman Arbach. It brings in uh, the Perik Dalet, footnote 90, somewhere around there, 95 or something. It brings a story. Rav Zaman Orbach was walking on Shabbat and he saw one of his Talmidim of the, uh, of the Yeshiva uh, walking and his father walking next to him and his father was carrying a bench. It was, they were obviously going to have a Kiddush or some type of uh, Simcha and the son wasn't carrying anything and the father was carrying chairs or bench. And Rav Zaman Orbach um, was mamash he, he spoke to the Talmud, what's going on? He said, I don't rely on the Eruv. And Rav Zaman Orbach came back to the Yeshiva and he was really so upset for the Chumrah of the, of the Eruv that there was such a zilzal in the mitzvah Dorite of Kibbut Avvaim. Now, it's not so clear because um, other poskim say that if there is, if it's a chumrah that is based on very good halachic reasoning. Now, the Eruv is a big, uh, big discussion. It's not so, it's no, not so halak as they say. You know, you've got the Rambam who's not happy and many, many poskim and gadoilim, including the Mishkanot Yaakov that basically waged World War Three or World War Pre-1 before uh, on the Eruv. There were many, many problems, right? But so, but Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach, he felt that that was incorrect. So where exactly to draw the line? On the other hand, I'll give you an example. The, um, uh, on the other hand, the Pitre Tshuva brings that a, a, a parent died and the son wanted to say Kaddish for his mother or his father, can't remember. And the father who was still alive was Makbid. He said, uh, I don't want you, it gives me, you know, it's, not good for me. It sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm not being able to sleep at night because, you know, my child's saying Kaddish. It's not, it's not a good sign for me. And the Pitre said, we don't listen to the father. Ah, but, but, but there, what was that? Saying Kaddish is a minag. It's not a lacha absolute, right? It's a minag. So, so, so when do you draw the line and you say, oh, this is a Khumra, I'm going to listen to my, I'm going to listen to my parents as opposed to the other side it's not so that, clear. That case may, may be yeah. different because it's a keyboard for the versus keyboard out. So it's not necessarily just a minhag, it's a going at the keyboard Correct. So that is a argument. Uh, it's, a, it's a good tiner. Um, the problem is, is that the Nod of Yehuda, uh, um, we didn't see it inside. It's actually one of the essays uh, written by the, in the previous year. Uh, by uh, one of our Talmudim Rav Avichai Goodman, he, he brings a note of Yehuda that was asked this question and he said clearly that when it comes to Kibbut Av or Kibbut Aim and Kibbut the Chai and Kibbut the Mate, the Kibbut Chai always trumps the Kibbut Mate. Right? So it, I hear it. Whether it works with all the Cheshbonot, it's still, it's still not clear in my mind when exactly we draw the, the line, and, and, and you'll see different poskim have different approaches to this, really different approaches to this. Where you draw the line, machalot asurot, right? You've got a, you've got a certain hechsha. 
people that have a certain hechsha. So I've heard in the name of Rav Shach that he told a student of his who was a Baltruba and basically he was, you know, only eating yeah. badat. And he told his student, when you go to your parents, eat Rabbanut, it's fine. Kibbut Avaim, you eat Rabbanut. That's what I've heard in the name of Rav Shach. But I've heard in the name of other poskim and they said no. So it, 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 it gets, it's not, it's not a clear cut and I think one has to look at each individual case and see the merits of them. I can generally say that the, the approach of Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach was when it comes to Chumras, Ben Adam Lemakom, one has to give precedence to, um, to Kibbut Avayim. That's general, his general approach, but even Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach, in certain cases, he wouldn't say that, right? So one has to, one has to look at it, uh, thing. So now, now that we've talked about that, a... A common question that is in this, it's, it's a similar, it's an offshoot, was asked to the Trumat Adeshin. Go back to source number four on page 92. Trumat Adeshin in Siman Mem was asked, Talmid Torah A student wants to go and learn Torah in another, another city or another Medina. He's living in Poland and he wants to go and learn in Lithuania. He's certain that his Torah learning will, will be better in, uh, in that yeshiva. And his father is absolutely against it. going to cause me a lot of anguish. I'm going to be constantly worried. There's going to be blood libels or they're going to catch you. You know, it wasn't such um, uh, good, good tidings for the Jews in, in those times. Um, and he was really worried. What's the answer? Says the Trumat Adeshin, One doesn't need to listen to one's father in this uh, case. And he brings basically two... Uh, a few reasons in the Trumat Adeshen. He brings a Midrash that Yaakov Avinu, when he went to learn Torah, he wasn't punished for the 14 years that he was learning Torah, but he was punished for the years that he was in the house of Laban. But in the end, he brings our brighter of Hitamei. So he, the Trumat Adeshen almost equates us to a certain extent that like your father's telling you to go against uh, din Torah. Now, Father didn't say don't learn Torah. He's father just go says don't go there. But nevertheless, what I'm saying is that the Trumat Adeshen invoked the Brighter as a reason. I even that, if you feel that you're not going to be able to learn as well in a certain case, that is a equivalent to Bittul Torah. And therefore, he felt that he could invoke this Brighter of it's as if your parent is telling you to do an Aveya, right? Which is a big Chidosh, but that's how the Trumat Adeshen understood it to that extent. Didn't, um, we, didn't we already have the child wants to study a particular profession and the parent wants another profession that the child doesn't have to listen to the parents? So why would that be any different than here? So you're saying... No, because, well, here I want to learn Torah with this person. Right. 
It's like I want to study this profession. Right. You're telling me to learn to with that person, but I don't feel that that's what I need. Right. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. The here, he the the person the son is going to be leaving the father, and the father won't be able to get keep it up anymore. Right. So he's going to be losing out. Studying a different profession doesn't mean that he's still going to be living with him. Potentially, no, but potentially, the, 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 no, but that, that wasn't the, the discussion. Wasn't was Rafua or versus uh, versus? Uh, so, so the father is going to lose his his, his right. It's good to, to keep it up there. So, so that maybe you could take a different case. It's not exactly the same case. By the way, the, the, why is Yaakov called Ishtam and not called Ishtamim? Right, because when he was away. He couldn't fulfill the mitzvah. Give it up, and Av Vaim in Gematria is fifty. That's the Yud Mem. So it's the Akolish Tam. Wow. Okay. Very nice. Now, the Dark Halacha of Mordechai Yehoshua says, "In Kolze, we accept the opinion of the Truma Tadechen that basically, if a person wants to go learn Torah, one doesn't need to necessarily listen to their parents." And uh, go to, he says, in You still have to try and appease him. You still have to answer in a mechubedik way. You can't get into a screaming match with your parents. You're not allowed to be mezalzel in them. All of that still applies. Right? It's just that in, when a push comes to shove, one doesn't need to listen. Now here comes um, the shutmarik, the shutmarik that you were talking about, Rabbi, before. Regarding the, the reason why we don't have to, uh, the question was that the father didn't want the son to marry a certain girl that he wanted to marry. And his reasoning why the son didn't have to listen to him was based on two reasons, actually three reasons. But one of the reasons in our topic is because he held, it was as if the father was telling him to go against the Torah. Why is that? Because... We have a halakha, the Gemara says, you cannot marry a woman until the Khatan has seen the Kala. Right? Shiduchim worked slightly different in the times of the Gemara. Basically, it was fast track, and they would bring them into a room, they would look at each other, probably say hello, I don't know, maybe have a cup of tea, and if that went okay, then off to the chuppah. That's pretty much, I mean, in some, some communities, I think they still do it that way. But the point is, then why, you ha- why do they have to even see the color? And the Gemara says, because if a person is not attracted to his wife, he's going to be over on by kamocha, he will come to hate her, he will not love her, and that's a problem. So says the Marik, by the father telling him he can't marry X, which means he's going to marry Y, he's going to marry a girl that not necessarily he's in love with, He's going to be, it's as if he's saying him, don't look at the color, and it's like telling him to transgress a uh, Torah violation. So you see from here that the, the concept of transgressing a, a prohibition is, is quite expansive in terms of how the poskim understood it, right? Whether it's a Trumatadeshin or whether it's a Marik, both of them have, have expanded it. Um, and then you have, on the other hand, we're trying to limit it when it comes to Chumras. We saw that the Sefer Chassidim, the Chazonish, Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach, but there it does become uh, slightly blurry. When do we uh, listen to the parent? When don't we? 
um, etc. The Rama paskins like the uh, the Marik. The father is not interested in the son marrying this girl. He does not have to listen to his father. There's also the Truva of Yabia Omer of Rabbi Vadya Yosef. He brings the Torah Lishma, the Chida, basically that a, a woman was told not to marry someone. Right, not to marry Rabbi Akiva. Right, right. And he said also the Kala walks around the Chosan seven times, mm-hmm. stands next to me, turns twice, says, So, what do you make of me? So, now says the uh, says that if you just look at I at the last few lines. If a daughter wants to marry a boy that she, she, she desires, and the father says, No, can do, and that is the opinion. There's no problem of kibud avaim in such a case. There's also the tzitzilezer. And as we said, limiting. Mitzvah of kibbutz avaim to service and not to life uh, decisions. However, I will bring uh, Daniel. You asked this question, uh, I think, uh, a few years ago uh, in our first year. Sorry, not a few years in our first year. Time flies. That um, a kid wants to stay in yeshiva, shana bet comes from America. Wants to stay in yeshiva, shana bet, or he wants to make aliyah, right? And the parents say, no, they're not interested. Is there a problem of kibbutz avaim? So one could argue, based on what we saw from the Marik and what we saw from the, um, from the Truma tradition, there's no, it's, it's quite clear cut. And that's how many poskim, uh, that's how many poskim actually paskim. Um, however, however, there are others including Rav Shal Yisraeli, that say as follows, that if it's the kid wants to make Aliyah, for example, a mitzvah, and the parents are in their elderly years, and they'll need someone to help them physically, according to Rav Shal Yisraeli, it's not certain that he thinks that it's so simple to make Aliyah in such a case. Because the mitzvah might only be a mitzvah kiyumit, i.e. if you do, if you make aliyah, you fulfill the mitzvah. If you don't make aliyah, you don't nullify the mitzvah. Saying this in the office of Mizrahi Olami, but <laughs> but but uh, obviously we, we believe in aliyah. But even Rav Shal Yisraeli, Rosh Hashiva Merkaz Arab, in such a case, he was not absolutely certain that one can in such a case. The uh, chief rabbi of Tel Aviv, I think his name was Rav Nissim, the, um, the Yain Tov, I think he wrote the Shut Yain Tov, he felt Adarabah, it was certainly that the child doesn't have to listen and he can make Aliyah. So again, we have, it does get a bit of a gray area in certain cases and one has to weigh up exactly what is the mitzvah, what is the situation of Kibbut Abba'im, is it a complete uh, do they really need it, or is it just uh, uh, just you know they're going against their will? If they're going against their will, there might be something completely different. Then we can rely on the marik, right? But if it's 
going to have impact that they, you're not going to be able to really do kibbut avayim and they need it, there could be other, other things that one has to weigh up in this cheshbon. Okay, so that's pretty much the end of that topic that I wanted to deal with. Um, we've got two more topics uh, that are very important. The first is the um, parents. Um, what happens if a, a, a child sees a parent transgressing a violation? What does one do? There's a mitzvah of tochacha. Right? There's a mitzvah of rebuking. So look at the Gemara in Masechah Kiddushin Lamed Bet, the Tanya. A father is transgressing a Torah violation. Do not be brazen and say, Dad, you have a Torah violation. What are you doing? Rather, you should say, Father, isn't that what's written in the Torah? In a, like a, a question form. Isn't that going against what's written in the Torah? What? That's going to make it easier. What? You still pretty much brazenly are telling your father or your mother that they are doing something incorrect. So the Gemara's solution is do it in a, in, in a hinting way. Are you, the Pasuk says X and the father comes to the conclusion from reading that Pasuk that maybe what he's doing is inappropriate, right? Or incorrect or a violation. The Gemara, the idea behind the Gemara is basically not to tell them in a brazen fashion, but to hint that they come to the same, to a certain conclusion. Now this the question... Is, this is if he's violating something in the Torah. What if he's violating something that's not in the Torah? Um, something in the Rabbana, or Minhad, or Chumrah. Or a Chumrah, right? Well, Chumrah, he's not violating, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and a Drabonin, he might be violating. I think it would be the same thing. One should hint. Mm -hmm. How do you hint? I don't know. It's not written in the Torah. It's, uh, let's learn the Gemara on white cut and daf tetzayin. You know, then you kind of, it will... But look at the Yalkut Yosef. Yalkut Yosef says, what is the situation in our generation? Says Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef, chief rabbi of Israel, Yeishomrim. Sorry, the father intentionally transgresses a Torah violation or any violation, even though he knows it's prohibited. The son doesn't have to rebuke him. If there's a chance that the father will hear the son's rebuke, he should do it in a quiet, private uh, uh, manner, not in front of all the guests, and do it not in an embarrassing way, in a loving way, if he thinks that there will be some benefit. Right? Um, if you think they're not going to listen, there's no point. What are you doing? You're just, uh, you're just adding fuel to the fire. You're not, you're not addressing anything. Um, you got to tell a person who doesn't keep Shabbos, you know, you shouldn't be driving. What's the point? What, what, what are you adding? They know that, you know, that it's a problem. They're going to do it anyway. So you, you have to weigh these things up. And therefore he says, just as it's a mitzvah to, to, to say certain things, sometimes it's a mitzvah not to say certain things. You got to know your limitations, especially when dealing with parents. Because you've got to be super careful not to be brazen 
uh, towards them. Okay, <clears throat> what about a, a person who is not Shomrei Torah or Mitzvot? A person who is Chiloni, uh, call it like that, a secular Jew. Up until now, we've been talking about do you have to rebuke? So we said, no, you probably don't have to rebuke. Okay. Is there still an obligation to honor them? Look at the Shulchan Aruch. Mamzer chayav b'chvod aviv uvemora'o. A mamzer. Now, mamzer comes about not because his parents were, you know, doing things like they're going to get into the Guinness Book of the of Tzadikim book, right? Um... Says the Shulchan Aruch, even if his father was a Rasha, is a Rasha, uh, says the Shulchan Aruch, very clearly, one still has to honor him, one still has to revere him. Where is this coming from? This is coming on the back of a Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara in Sanhedrin. Uh, Pei Dalil and Pei Hay talks about what happens if uh, Sanhedrin have to give a person lashes or have to give a person punishment of some sort. And, and, and you are the person who dishes out the lashes. And the person who has to get the lashes is your one's father. Mm. Right? So the Gemara over there says that the son doesn't have to, uh, the son cannot be the one to hit the father. The son cannot be the one to hit the father. Now, there's a machloket between the Rambam and Tosot. The Rambam understands that you can never hit the father. There's still a din of kibbud avva'im and mora, even for a father who is a rasha, even if he hasn't done tshuva. Tosot say that's only in a case when the father has done tshuva. Even if the father's done tshuva, we still need to give him lashes, right? The fact that the father's done al-chait and done tshuva, the baitin still have to give him the punishment, right? But if he hasn't done tshuva, according to Tosvot, the mitzvah of kibbutz Avain doesn't apply. And that's a, that's a, a, now, now there's a sugya in Bava Metziah that seems to to apply uh, to to imply that that uh, that Tosvot's right. What happens if a father uh, took uh, took a cow with ribbit? Right? With interest. And then he passes away. So the Gemara says that one has to, uh, one has to, the children have an obligation to return the ribbit. But the Gemara stipulates that there, it's on condition that the father did tshuva. Right? If the father didn't do tshuva, it seems quite clear that there's no din of kibbutz avaim when it comes to, um, when it comes to a Rasha who's a parent. How will the Rambam, and for that matter the Shulchan Aruch, resolve that Gemara? So I want to just, we'll keep that Gemara in, 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 uh, on the back burner, but let's just get the opinions. So the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch say one has to, um, one has to uh, revere and honor one's parents, even if they are a Rasha. Definition of a Rasha in the times of Chazal is anyone who blatantly doesn't keep mitzvot. Mechalel Shabbos Befarhesi, a person who breaks Shabbos in public, is considered a Rasha. So, if we're going with the definition of Chazal in terms of how we define a Rasha, which we'll speak of in a moment, 
According to the Shulchan Aruch, you still have to you still have to honor them and revere them. It says the Ramah, based on Tosfot. Shomrim says the Ramah, Aviv Rasha Elim If the father did tshuva, then yes. If not, not. That's based on the Gemara's in Sanhedrin and in Yevamot and in Bava Metzia. So according to Svardim, their parents, if they violate Truva and their parents are not uh, Shomri Shabbos, they definitely have to um, revere and honor them. What about Ashkenazim? Sounds like according to the Ramah, you don't have to. Says the Shach. V'yei Shomri. But some say, Mihu. Even though you're not obligated to revere him, uh, to honor him, you cannot cause him anguish. So there might be a distinction, even though you don't necessarily have to stand up for him, etc., etc. You can't cause your parents anguish and you still have to, you know, be mazalzel, etc. But according to the Shach and the Ramah, basically, the myth, the classic myths of Kibbut Avaim doesn't apply anymore in the case of a Baal His parents are not keeping Torah mitzvot. The Chiyuv wouldn't apply, at least according to Ashkenazi. However, here comes Pnine Alacha. <coughs> Pnine Alacha, Rav Eliezer Malamet says, Leitim Baalei Tshuva, on source number 18, page 101, Leitim Baalei Tshuva Toim, Sometimes Baalei Tshuva make a mistake. They think that they don't need to respect their parents since they are secular Jews. But the halacha states that in our times, anyone who acts with Derech Eretz and Musar is basically a mensch. Although he doesn't keep Torah mitzvot, and therefore he's not, in our generation, he's not considered a rasha. And where does this come from? Because this was already a discussion, the, 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 the first that really dealt with this was Melamed uh, Lehoyel, already at the beginning of the Renaissance period, where there was a massive uh, outflux of Jews keeping Torah and mitzvot. And basically discusses them being a Tinok Shenishba. Perhaps they could be considered like a parent, uh, a child that grew up in captivity that doesn't know, and therefore they're considered Anusim, they're considered it's, you know, against their will, and therefore you still have to honor them. That was a big discussion. That was the opinion of Melamed Lahoyal. The Chazon Ish took that approach. Um, on the other hand, other poskim including the Igrot Moshe and Rabbi Yashiv didn't take that approach. They said maybe that, you know, in a place like Israel where, where you see so many people keeping Torah mitzvot, it's very difficult to define them as a Tinok Shenishba and they didn't accept this definition of the, the Chazonish and for them, perhaps we would go back to the opinion of the Ramah. Now, even according to the string, even if you're not going to accept the Chazonish, and you're going to go with the basic opinion of the Ramah, some Achronim say you still have to respect them like, like uh, elders. You know, not, not necessarily the, all the Chiyubim of parents, but as elders. But Halach pretty much, both according to Svaldi Poskin and Ashkenazi Poskin, at least the rabbis that are, that are now, they basically, we go with the opinion of Pnine Halacha based on the Chazonish, 
that definitely even a secular Jew today is not considered a Russia and therefore there will still be a chiyuv of kibbud abayim mora and one has to uh, one has to act appropriately. We have an interesting phenomenon today yeah. of young Rabbi Tshuva whose father is not even Jewish and one parent who's not Jewish told me that he's gained a great deal of respect for Yadud because since his son has become more Jewishly observant, right. he's much more respectful than he used to be. Amazing. Very good. Uh, so that's actually another topic that I, didn't, that I didn't get to, and that is adopted parents, right? Um, because the halakha, basically, of a parent who, uh, a parent who is uh, not Jewish, we say, it's as if he's born anew. If he's born anew, so it's basically he cuts ties on a certain level with his biological parent. And therefore, the question would be, is there a chiyuv of kibbutz avaim to a non-biological parent? So if, we're, if we go back, remember, to the beginning of uh, the sugya, the Sefer Achinuch brought two reasons why we have to, why we have to uh, honor one's parents. Number one, basic Hakarat Tov. What was the Hakarat Tov that he mentioned, that he brought us into the world, and that they fed us and brought us up? So it could very well be that in the end of the day, even though there isn't a halachic biological connection because it's kekat and shenol adami, there still exists a level of hakarat tov, and that would apply also to adopted parents and biological parents, right? Now, just regarding this topic of a rasha, okay, is there an obligation to, uh, to be mechabed a parent that is a rasha, so we saw going to the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch, you have an obligation still to revere them and honor them according to the Ramah and Tosvot, you do not, right, unless they do tshuva. What could be the point of argument between the, between the Rambam and Tosvot? I heard in the name of Rav Shechta a beautiful Chakira. It's like this. We saw already the Minchat Chinuch said, what is the nature of this mitzvah? Is it a mitzvah ben adam lemakom or is it a mitzvah ben adam lechaveiro? And the truth is it could be that it entails both, right? But now the question is like this. When does Hashem, if we're looking at it as a mitzvah ben adam lemakom, when do you have to revere your parents to give honor to Hashem? When they are keeping Hashem's words. It's not a kabod to Hashem when his partners in the three-way partnership are not keeping to the deal. Right? So they're not keeping to the deal. You're not being mechabed HaKadosh Baruch by being mechabed them. They've broken the deal. So if it's a din in Ben Adam Lamakom, maybe you don't have to. The mitzvah of Kibbut Abayim and Mora doesn't apply anymore. Shittat Tosvot and the Ramah. However, if you say that the nature of the mitzvah of Kibbut Abayim is a Ben Adam Lechavero, right? It's Ben Adam Lechavero. In such a case, one would definitely... In the end of the day, you have to have Hakarat HaTov. Forget all the Cheshbon or they, you know, they'll have to do their Cheshbon with HaKadosh Baruch Hu when they get upstairs. Then in terms of Ben Adam L'Chavero, they brought you up, they brought you into this world, you should still have Hakarat HaTov. So it could be that the nature between Adam L'Chavero and Ben Adam L'Makom is interesting. Now, having said that, Chakira, 
Now we can answer the question on the Rambam. We said, the Rambam basically says, even though you're a Russia, you still have to uh, revere and honor one's parents. And that's how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, correct? But Tos would have a good question on the Rambam. And that is, we saw explicitly that the Gemara in Baba Metziah said that basically after the father died, if he stole, the children do not have to return the lost object or the ribbit or whatever it was, if, unless he's done tshuva. If the parent hasn't done tshuva, he died in his rishut, in his state of evilness, one doesn't have to worry about their honor. So how, how does the Rambam reconcile that Gemara? Not only is that, the Rambam over here paskins that you do have to honor him, but the Rambam also paskins that Gemara. So, so what's going on? So says Rav Shechta, I think a beautiful Chakira. If you look at it, we said that it could be that, according to the Rambam, there's both as, uh, aspects. It's a mitzvah ben adam lemakom and a mitzvah ben adam lechavero. Okay, the parent who's now Russia, so he's not keeping Shabbos, he's broken the deal ben adam lemakom, but he still has a chiv of ben adam lechavero. So because of that, you still have to revere him and honor him. Says Rav Shechta, the mitzvah of kibud of all mitzvot ben adam lechavero only apply to the living. They don't apply to the dead. Mitzvot ben adam lechavero applies while a person is alive. Ben adam, burying a person, all of that, it's, it's a din in ben adam lemakom. It's a din in, you have to respect, but selim elokim nivra adam, all of those mitzvot. Even honoring one's parents after death, what category does it fit into? It fits into, must be ben adam lemakom. Because there's no mitzvah of ben adam lechavero, once a person dies. So says, says Rav Shechta, the Rambam will answer as follows. I hold that there's two aspects. Ben Adam Lamakom, Ben Adam Lachavero. However, in a case where the father has died, so now the, mit- the aspect of Ben Adam Lachavero no longer applies. It's only an aspect of Ben Adam Lamakom. But Ben Adam Lamakom, he broke the deal. He's not keeping mitzvot. So in that case, you don't have to worry about the, kib- the, the kavod. And that's a great resolution of how the Rambam could still say you have to honor your parents and it's not a contradiction to that Gemara. I think a fantastic uh, shuva of uh, Rav, uh, Rav Shechter. Rav Herschel Shechter quoted, uh, I'm just trying to remember who I heard it from. can't remember. Um, uh, who gives the daf yomi in, on, uh, in the YU Torah? Is Shola Rosen? No, it's not Shola the, okay, uh, but uh, but okay. So that that, that I think can uh, can explain many many difficulties within the shita of the Rambam. But again, according to the Rambam, he passes like Tosfot, who says that if a person is uh, a, a Rasha, you don't have to revere them. But we passkin like, as we said, the Chazonish and Pnei Alacha, that in today's time, the fact that a person doesn't keep mitzvot, he's got the status of Tinok Shenishpa, and one still has to. Um, one still has to um, revere them and honor them. Let's move on to parents serving their... You know what? I'm going to come back to parents serving their children because I'm just worried we're not going to to finish. Uh, So let's skip to honoring other relatives. I think it's uh, more pertinent uh, in general. Even though it's very... The the one will come back to it. Honoring other parents. Parents in law. Um... Uh, right? Grandparents. Grandparents, older siblings, 
where does the mitzvah of kibbutz avraim does that apply to all of these cases? So let's start with uh, the story of in-laws, stepmothers. Sorry, not in-laws, stepmothers, stepfathers, things like that. Tana Rabbanan, the Gemara Masechet Ketubot Kuf Gimel. Bishat Tirato Shel Rabbi, Rabbi Yudah Nasi was on his deathbed. Amar Levanayin Nitzarich. He wanted to call all his sons. Nichnasu Banavetzlo. They came in. Amar Nahem. Hizaru Bikvod Imchen. I want you to worry. Be careful about the honor of your mother. Right, and then just skip about all the other things because uh, we, we're going to uh, go back to Hizaru Bikvod Imchen. So ask the Gemara, why does Rebbe have to tell his sons to be careful about honoring their mother? Doraitahi, that's a Torah obligation. So answers the Gemara, Eshet Av Havei. She was not their mother. She was their stepmother. Rebbe's first wife had probably passed away. He got remarried. And this mother that he's referring to is a stepmother. Says the Gemara, But that's also a Torah obligation to honor one's, par- one's step-parents. The Tanya we've learned in a brighter page 107. Et avicha, the word et over here is coming to include something. To include the wife of your father. Et the word et of is coming to include larabot balimecha, your, your mother's husband. Vav, yetera deveet larabot achicha gadol. And the extra vav in that pasuk, kabeit et avicha veetimecha, the v is coming to include one's older brother. So we see from here that all of those obligations seem to be a Torah obligation. So why did Rebbe need to invoke his children to take care of their stepmother? Answers the Gemara, that's only true. When does one have to still honor one's stepfather when one's mother is still alive? But once one's mother dies, one doesn't have to honor one's stepfather or vice versa. One doesn't have to honor one's stepmother when one's father has passed away. So Rebbe was telling his children, although Me'ikaradin, you don't have to honor her once I pass away, the right thing to do, I still want you to honor her. And that's how the Shulchan Aruch passes. Look at the Shulchan Aruch. Chayav Adam, Reish Mem, Sitka Falev, 31. Chayav Adam lechabed eshet aviv, and has to honor one's stepmother. Calls man shaviv kayam, but that's only when one's father is alive. The chayav lechabed balimo, or one's stepfather calls man sheimo kayamit, as long as his mother is alive. Avalachar mita no chayav bichvodam. After death, you do not need to. Umikol makom davar hagun lechabdam af laachar mita. It is the appropriate and correct thing to do even after the death of one's parent. And that we learned from Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, Rebbe, who was basically telling, teaching his sons and through them teaching us that that is appropriate behavior. So we see that basically there is an obligation of honoring step-parents. It's actually even could be learned from the Pasuk itself. Now, is that an asmachta or is that the real chat of the Pasuk, that's not clear. From the Gemara, it sounds like it was a real Torah writer. Look at the, um, 
the Chut Shani, Rav Kareli says, Umistavra, and it seems, the Geder Akibud Be'eshet Aviv Ovalimo, who Kamo Geder Mitzvah Kibud Aviv Imo Mamish. He says the definition and the parameters of honoring a step parent, it makes sense that it's exactly the same as a parent. The Kaven, the Yalfinan Mi Eta Vicha Zo Eshet Avicha Havik Mo Avicha Deet. So since it's learned out from the Pasuk and the Pasuk is coming to expand the original command, and that's why the Rambam says, it's included in the honor of one's father. And one cannot just rely on giving them honor like the other elders. We'll see that there's a distinction between honoring parents, honoring generally the elders, and then just how you treat the regular person. Right? But he says, but who comes first? So, your mother asks you to give her a cup of tea, and your stepmother asks to give her a cup of tea, you serve your mother first. That's Seder Kadima, Right? Yes. So, yes. I have a bit of Question on the Shani, though. Yes. The end of the Gemara says right. that he has to give cover, uh, but after death, not. Correct. Because the cover comes from the father. Right. That's so. He's, he's saying it's the same, but he's not the same. He's saying that it's, 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 it's part of the mitzvah. It's part of the mitzvah. It's not an independent, it's part of the mitzvah. And since it's part of the mitzvah, so it should have the same gedal. That's it's ribui so, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's not the same because after the father's after the father's passed away, right? There's no chiyuv to give kibbutz to the stepmother, right? After the father's passed away, though, you start to give kibbutz to your father. It's not the same. It's 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 like attached to the kibbutz of the father. It's not it's not parallel. It's not parallel. Okay, it's a good proof. The, the, the kibbutz comes from the kibbutz from the father. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a good time. Good time. I, I don't disagree with what he said. Right, right. No, I, 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 yeah, that's a good proof that, you know, clearly there's still Din of Kibbut Aveim after death, whereas it's obviously doesn't... Uh, it's a good time. Look at the Tzela Chochmah. The Tzela Chochmah says as follows. Right? Rav Shtern. He says, Does one have to revere one's older brother? Where do we learn? We just learned from that Gemara that basically included in the midst of Kibbut Avaim is also Kibbut Ach. So based on that, that's Kibbut Ach. What about Mora? What about revering? So says the, uh, says the, Velo Yichriya, Omnam Basefer, Beit Meir Katav. But the Beit Meir, Beit Meir writes, Achiv Agadol lo nitrabe ele le mitzvat Kibbut velo le moro. That was only included in the mitzvah of Honoring, but not necessarily not in the mitzvah of revering, right? You can call him by his first name, it's not a problem, it's not a zilzal. All of those uh, dinim would not apply without the vet, right? Right, that's the that's the thing. It does, there's no it when it comes to the Pasuk of Ish Imo Vaviv Tirah. What's not clear, but it seems that that would also apply to step parents, right? That there's a mitzvah of kibbutz avayim, but not necessarily a mitzvah of mora, right? For a step parent sitting in their chair, contradicting them, things like that. 
could be that there's no there's no obligation now let's just uh, quickly clarify honoring one's older brother who is included in such a chiyuv of kibbut says the shulchan aruch chayav adam bichvod aviv hagadol ben shuachiv me aviv ben shuachiv me imo older brother from the mother's side paternal maternal it's the same thing says rama even if the, the, the baby brother is a bigger Talmud Chochem. So you have some families like that, which each, uh, each kid is a bigger Talmud Chochem than, than, than the next, right? You have, uh, there was Rabbi Yisrael Fisher and Rabbi Yaakov Fisher, right? Each, each one uh, gadol in and of themselves. Um, right. So you, certain, in certain families, this becomes an issue. But uh, yeah. It's interesting going the other way. Kibud Yeladim. I remember many years ago, the late Dr. Professor Menachem Breyer, right, whose son became the regional Bayan Rebbe, right, said that once his son became the Rebbe. He never called him by his name. He called him Rebbe. Very good. So we, we're going to say, if we get to parents serving their children, we're going to come back to it. Definitely, uh, uh, that's that's an amazing edut uh, for practical things. Please God, maybe we'll get to it. But look at the Hasagotar Ramban. Aval achicha gadol im chashvu arishonim shein amitzvah kein ele bechaye avot lefishu gnaylem shitbazu told otam. Perhaps the mitzvah of honoring one's older brother only applies when the parents are alive. Pretty much what Daniel was saying, and therefore it is not independent, it is not on a parallel, and when the parents uh, pass away, it could be, right, um, um, it, 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 it ends, right? Well, the Shulchan Aruch. You said that But we saw that it doesn't apply to the step-parents, right? The Gemara said explicitly that it doesn't apply to the, the, the step-parents, and the Gemara there quoted et to include the step-parents, and et and the vav to include the older brother. So, one could assume that if the step-parents after death, there's no chiyuv, one would also apply that to the older brother. Look at the Birke Yosef. The Birke Yosef says, A sikna de chumarita de hai dina. It's clarified the din is the chayab lechabed lechol echav hagdolim imenu. Here the Birke Yosef says, what does it mean older brother? All older siblings. Scharim unekevot. Both male and female. And even after the death of the mother and the father. Right? And basically, this is, he says, what the majority of Poskim hold, unlike the Ramban. And this is how the Arizal uh, understood it. But look at Rav Shlomo Eger, Rabbi Akiva Eger's son, the Gilion Maharsha writes, Chayav Adam Bichvod Achiv HaGadol, Hainu Acharishon Velo Asheni, Afshe Gadol Mimenu Beshanim. It's only the eldest brother, the Bechor, and not anyone else. Right? So this is also a debate. Right. That's the Machloket. Is it a din in a Bechor? Or is it a din in any of the older uh, siblings, according to the Birke Yosef? That was the opinion of... The oldest sister. 
Correct. According to Birke Yosef, all the brother, all the sister, and all of them. Not just, uh, not well, just the Bechor. What's the rationale? Why would you... According to the Birke Yosef. I'm sorry, what would the rationale? I mean, there's, there's a dinner of Kibbutz Horeb. So, with the Spanadama, the former Spanadama, where the kids that don't bring you up, they're not mean... How do you put together of Kibbutz Horeb? It's like an ispach of Kibbutz Horeb. I can hear maybe a Bechor, I can maybe, it's like a certain status of Bechor as... Right. Maybe, but like... You can tell he's not the oldest, can't you? <laughs> um, the second child. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, it's... it's not Morad, not Kapkilu, sorry, but... How's he even nicknessed together of Kibbutz Yeah. Well, the same thing, why does the, why does the Bechor get Pishnayim? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. the parent made all their mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless it's something, and I'm just giving it out, it is something that maybe the older siblings have got some type of Akhra, it's also... Viewing them that they also have achrayot or not. If you say that it's a din in a bechor, maybe the Torah is by saying that you know the other children can do what they want, or it's really according according to the Birke Yosef and Arizal, everyone's got an obligation to look after mm. and be a role model for yeah, their the younger. Be before others have got some type of the burin, like the right. The samples there is itself to the older ones to look after the younger. Right. Okay, that's a good proof. Um, it does seem that it could be split down uh, more Kabbalistic versus Halachic. If you look at the Chutshani, he brings down Vadai the Ayri Rak Bachagadol Shabachim. Right. So when it comes to Rav Karelit, Velok Kol Achim Magdolim Imenu Kol Shekain Lo Achoto Agdola. It's a clear din in a Bechor. While Kol Panim Yeshin Yan Lechabdam Imidat Derech Eretz Kmo Shavi BeBirke Yosef. Uh, it's like aunts and uncles, okay? It's got a din maybe of aunts and uncles, but it's, 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 maybe that's just a general din of aunts and uncles and things like that. Um, but not according to the strict letter of the law. That is an interesting discussion and something to look into in terms of what are their obligations. Um, okay. I'll... You can, you can let us know what, what your maskana is on that. But, okay, so this is really, um, this is a machloket. The Pitre Tshuva says, Ayen be'eret seif shal arav ma'arit al-gazi, v'ayen b'shvut Yaakov shekatav od, d'davka la'achiv ha'gadol chayav l'chabed v'lo la'achoto. Specifically, it is the older brother, not the older sister. Rak mi'derech eret shelo l'alber b'kneim mi'shegadom imenu. Again, you know, there's a certain derech eretz that you have to apply, but again, it's a din, really a din in a bechor. I hear yeah, he's, he's, he's nailing it to the obligation of a bechor, the din of a bechor, and that only applies to the male, not the female. Um, I want to jump, because we ran out of time, to honoring one's in-laws. This, uh, I think, is very, very pertinent. So just very quickly, if one goes to source 41, the Shmuel, 
quotes the story of David HaMelech when he's running away from Shaul and then he finally meets him. Look at uh, Pasuk number Yud Aleph. Va'avi re'eh gam re'eh. My father see, you shall surely see. When, who's he talking about? David's talking to Shaul. Now, David married Shaul's um, daughter, Michal. Right? So, Shaul is his father-in-law. And he calls him his father. What do we see from that? Look at the Shulchan Chayav Adam lechabet chamev. He has to uh, honor his father-in-law. And says the Taz, this is a bit of halachic humor, says the Taz, v'katav moricha mizal, and my father-in-law, the Bach, wrote, huadin chamoto, that it also applies to the mother-in-law, v'chen katav v'sefet tzedek l'adech. Now, the, what's interesting is the Bach. Do we have two minutes to just read this Bach? Because I think it's, it's a very important Bach. Umilashon rabbeinu yir'eh. From the language of the tour, although one has to one has to give cover to one's in-laws, it sounds like not the cover of a parent, but the cover of the the important dignitaries of the town. But the midrash said, Quoting our pasuk with David, the midrash Tanakama holds you have to give them honor like your parents. However, says the Bach Taima, the two never said that. And the other poskim almost, you know, didn't even mention the halacha. So what's going on here? Venire, and he explains the Mishum the Batar Hachi Masik Amar of Yuda, because in the same midrash it says Amar of Yuda Avira E Amar le Shaul vegamra E Amar le Avne. Rav Yehuda says Avi he was referring to Shaul, and then the second Ray he was referring to Avner. Verabonen Amre, but the sages they say Avira E Amar le Avner. Who was he calling father? David was talking to. Avner, why? The who married He was his teacher in Torah. Gamrei, Amar Shaul. When he said Gamrei, he was talking also to his father-in-law Shaul. The Kevin the Rabban and Amri did not cry to Shaul Avi, since Chachamim understood that David didn't call his father-in-law Avi. Therefore, you cannot prove from this midrash that one has to honor one's parents-in-law like one's parents. And that is why the tour only just brought to that you have to honor them. And that seems to be the psak of the Shulchan Aruch. And therefore, what's the conclusion? You have to honor them like the, uh, the dignitaries, the nobility of the town. And based on that, here comes the question. Can you call an in-law by their first name? So look at the shach. The shach says, And the Yalkut Yosef brings down that one shouldn't call um, a parent-in-law by their first name similar to the dignitaries of the town. Now the question is like this. Today's time... I mean, we, in Israel, you call the teacher by their first name, right? This, yeah. So you call Bibi, Rosh Memchalah, right? So, so the point is, the point is, is that I think that 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 is the reason why people are not makpi to call their in-laws by their first names because in today's society that is still covered. Right? You can call a, a noble person 
also by their first name. It's not a zilzul in their kabod. However, there are certain, there are definitely communities that are makbid on, and you can see the makar of that thing. We will end there for today. Yashakoach, Tam, Velon, Islam, Hilchot, Kibur, Avaim. Next week, Talmud Torah. Bezrat Hashem.